Welcome to the South Asian Studies at Stanford podcast, also known as the SAS pod. I am Lalita Duperon, Associate Director in the Center for South Asia. All our podcasts and information about the center are available at southasia.stanford.edu. Today, we welcome to the SASPOD, Amira Bridger-Wilson, Associate Director at the South Asia Center at the Moynihan Institute of Global Affairs in the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs at Syracuse University. An anthropologist by training, she manages the Syracuse South Asia Center as well as the nationwide South Asia National Outreach Consortium. I want to ask Amira about her interest in and research on South Asia, but the main thing we will be talking about is the South Asia Book Award known as Saba. Amira, you can tell us more about Saba as we go on, but the Stanford Center for South Asia is just delighted to be part of the consortium and to be a contributor to the South Asia Book Award. Welcome to the SASPOD. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. This is really great, and uh, I and uh, our audience, no doubt, are excited about learning more about Saba. But let us start with talking about you. I get this question all the time, so I apologize for doing it to you, but why and how South Asia? It's actually a very good question. It was a very roundabout um, path to, to studying South Asia. I was an environmental science undergrad, and my dream was to work for the U.S. Geological Survey, and so I was very science-minded, but I had a friend um, in undergrad who was from Pakistan, and she really introduced me to food and clothing and Bollywood movies and all things um, North Indian and Pakistani, and so when I was at, in graduate school for hydrology, um, I found way, I found that South Asia was seeping into a lot of my research projects and um, papers and, and reading. And when I had an opportunity to take a, a South Asian anthropology class at um, the neighboring university, I, I snapped it up. And as we were reading for that course, um, we read Anne Gold's In Times of Trees and Sorrows. And mm. for the first time, I realized that I could sort of marry my love of the environment and environmental studies with anthropology and that talking to people and understanding their perceptions about environment um, may, is, was what I wanted to do. So I quit my master's program in hydrology um, and I began a um, PhD in, South, in anthropology and South Asian studies at Syracuse University. Wow, what that's I, I love that very decisive action uh, you took there, and it's it's great to hear of your road into the world of uh, South Asia. Thank you for sharing that. Um, tell us more about the South Asian National Outreach Consortium, SANOC, uh, and please explain a bit more for our listeners what the O outreach means in this context. Yeah, so um, SANOC came out of a priority that the 
um, Department of Education Title VI program had given us in 2009. Um, and it really had encouraged uh, NRC centers around the United States to work together. So at that point, I think there was nine or 10 South Asia um, National Research Centers. Um, and uh, we all had our sort of programs locally, but um, we really wanted to expand the reach of our outreach because there's large swaths of the country where there isn't a South Asia NRC. Um, and so um, the O is really the important part of it in, in that we want to take the the knowledge and research and expertise that our faculty and grad students and, and even our undergraduates have um, and find ways of um, reaching out to folks outside of the university and sharing that with them and, and helping them better understand the region. And so um, our what and we'll talk a little bit about this, that our main thrust of our outreach was the South Asia Book Award because it made the regions um, more approachable for a lot of people. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people think, oh, I don't know about India, I don't know about Pakistan, I don't know about Afghanistan, how can I even teach it or, you know, how can I learn about this region and, and children and young adult literature is a, a very accessible way of learning more about the region. So um, we met several times, um, people from each of the NRCs met and, and sort of brainstormed ways that we could um, join forces to really help people all across the United States learn more about South Asia. So just to clarify, um, the um, National Resource Centers are the centers that are funded um, under Title VI, which is um, a program run by the United States Department of Education, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay, just to um, um, clarify that to our audience members who might not be aware of this. Um, and so outreach is, is focused on K-12 primarily? Primarily, and then in, in the last, um, six years we've also been doing more outreach with teacher training programs um, so working with schools of education programs of education and pre-service teachers um, which was a new focus of outreach for, mm -hmm. for many of the centers um, but it's been really interesting um, because it's a it, it has required us to think about outreach in a little different way i am um... I remember from being uh, in a Title VI center that these new mandates would come in and, and we'd kind of be like, oh, you know, how are we going to do this? And it starts off as kind of feeling like you need to tick a box and then you realize that actually this is this is quite productive. Um, and I was always a little resentful of that, like that's something that I, that I started as something that I felt um, was more of a tick box activity uh, that then actually became very creative. It is, and it makes you realize how um, different disciplines and different fields see things in slightly different ways. And it really makes you think about your message a little bit more critically and how you can um, make it a little bit more understandable to people who aren't necessarily, you know, academics who study South Asia. Right, exactly. And that's very much the mandate of it. And um, I wasn't to clarify resentful of doing the work, but just the fact that it that it worked. <laughs> they, they, they had a plan and it, it worked. All right, let's move to the South Asia Book Award. Um, I know it was the brainchild of my former colleague, or that's what I believe, um, at the University of Wisconsin, Rachel Weiss. I think we deserve to, or she deserves to be credited with that. But you have since taken over the management of it. So can you tell us about the history? You alluded to it already as part of the 
a kind of a, um, a collaborative effort among the national resource centers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so when we met and we talked about all the ways that we could pull resources, we had several different um, ideas, but the one that, that Rachel had brought to the table um, was really evocative to us because it, it I think it spoke to all of us about a really good way of, of reaching out to educators um, and introducing South Asia in, in a very um, non-threatening way and, and something that could be really folded into curriculum across the United States in a, in a pretty easy way. Um, you know, that was one thing that we'd heard from educators, right, that they have, they have their own mandates, right, of, of what to include in the, in the curriculum. And incorporating children's literature and young adult literature was one way of um, getting South Asia in a curriculum without needing to, to do a lot of back end work. Right. It was it was something that they could plug in and, and use in a, a variety of ways. So we all agreed that that was a great idea. Um, and so in 2009, um, Rachel set um, on the path of creating the first committee and she had had um, librarians and teachers that she worked with in, in the Madison area um, that she um, drew upon. And then each and I think you'll. Um, we were going to talk about this a little bit later on, but you know, each center who um, was a member of the Sanoc um, group would um, recommend a committee member, right? So that was how our first um, committee formed, and we sort of used that model going forward, where you know, an NRC, NRCs work with teachers and librarians in a variety of capacities, and so if they know someone who they think would be a really good, critical, thoughtful person on the on the committee, um, they'll send, uh, they first sent Rachel and now me their names and um, we we choose the committee based on those recommendations. And so not, so our, our committee itself is a national committee with people all over um, the United States. And so, um, so we started in, in 2009 and um, it, you know, the first year there were, were not many books um, to be considered, but over the last 10 years, every year we get more and more books. And, and um, that's something that I think is, is a really good sign um, in terms of just the way that publishing is moving, right? The, the call for more diverse books and um, books written from different perspectives has really meant that there's a lot more attention to South Asia and South Asian voices in publishing. Um, and so now we get probably twice the, the number of books we, we got when we started. So that's been really, really um, rewarding, right? To see, to see that progression over time. How many books um, have you read this year for this award? Roughly, ballpark it for me. <laughs> this year, well, we start our year in the summer. So we usually start requesting books um, in, in June or July. Um, and it's been slow going this year. Um, we haven't gotten as many. And I think that partly has to do with um, the pandemic. So sure. publishers are sort of struggling to, to um, keep up their, one of our committee members emailed us the story about how um, because of disruptions of, of supply chains, printing paper to print physical books is, is in, uh, ha in scarcity. And so wow. publishing has been slowing down a little bit. So this year we, we've actually told presses that we'll accept PDFs um, as well as paper copies because we are aware that it's, you know, they're under um, strain at this point. But I think so far looking at my bookshelf now, I think we've We've gotten about probably 
15 physical copies and then I think we've gotten five or six PDFs so far. um, And and people have until um, uh, January 30th of next year to um, to submit. So we usually get a flurry of books in December. I was going to say, you probably, you're going to probably hit 40 or 50 uh, along those lines. It's, I I, I wasn't aware of the, uh, the effect of the pandemic on smaller scale publishing, maybe also large scale. I don't know, but that's, that's, there's so many ramifications that perhaps we're not aware of. So um, thank you for, for kind of making that clear to us. Um, I want to talk about what it, what a South Asia book is but um quick tangent question just to give a little bit more context um are there other book awards like this and and how do um how do you get your funding yes so um so one of the the reasons why rachel thought that this would be a good idea for our regional centers is because there were successful models out there so the oldest regional book award or area studies book award is the children's africana book award that's run out of howard Um, and they have been around since the 90s and and they focus on um books written about africa by african authors and they are very you know one of their um one of their goals in the Kaaba is to sort of break down stereotypes of Africa as a country, right? And really focusing <laughs> on um, specific co- countries and specific stories. Um, so when they put out their book award, it, you know, it always says like what country um, in Africa is, is is where the story is set, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very much about the specificity of it. And then the next oldest um, uh Area Studies Book Award is the Americas Book Award, and that covers Central South, Central and South America and the Caribbean. Um, and so these two books, book awards, were such um, successful role models for us. And so we knew that that there was a way that we could um, build on their uh, on their success and, and on their model and and do it for South Asia. And now subsequently, there's been the Middle East Book Award um, and the Freeman's um, Freeman Book Award, which focuses on East and Southeast Asia. So each, I think each um, book award has slightly different funding structures. The okay. way that the South Asia Book Award is that each center that is interested in being part of um, the SANAC committee um, uh, pledges a certain amount each year out of their funds and, and basically pays us dues. The Freeman uh, the Freeman Book Award, I know, gets their money from the um, Asian Studies Association. Right. Association for Asian Studies. So their so their model's a little bit different. And and you know, one of the good things um, about Saba is it was it, it traditionally was all national resource center centers, um, but now we have um, two uh, centers that aren't, that don't receive NRC money. So, um, we sort of broadened out our memberships to include other centers because there's plenty of South Asia centers right now that aren't national, national resource centers. So it's great to have, um, you know, the Stanford, for example, on board because it, again, it, it expands our reach and our audience. Well, and, and this is uh, exactly why I was so keen to get on board because likewise, and we love working with you and, um, it's, it's, in a way, we're all national resource centers, even if we don't have that funding, because 
there's so much there's so much knowledge there's so much work to be done in terms of uh, fighting stereotypes and 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 getting um more awareness of the region that's that's not um not stereotyped and i mean i've done a lot of um like lectures in schools and talks for teachers and you know if you have an hour to talk about india it's it's hard to it's hard to go beyond the kind of the the, the basics which you know it's it's without nuance right it's mm-hmm. um and that was always frustrating but at the same time you know you you have to start somewhere uh, so i think the south asia book award is it's just so brilliant on so many levels um what makes a south asia book i know the criteria have shifted over the years so can you kind of walk us through some of those conversations rather than telling us where it's at now i i'm very curious um and i was part of some of those conversations but remind me and 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 uh, explain to our audience uh, members like what were some of what were some of the shifting thinking around what made a book a quote unquote south asia book um well, and I would say that it, 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 because it continues to shift, we always tell incoming committee um, folks that what we're looking at is for in a book is um, something that authentically and accurately describes some aspect of South Asian culture, religion, history, um, that is well-written and well-illustrated. We want the quality of the writing to actually stand on its own merit um, and that it should have enough scaffolding around it, either through back matter um, or websites or other sort of supporting materials that um, it's it can be used by teachers and librarians, that you shouldn't have to come at it with a PhD in South Asian studies to be able to use it, right? And so... Um, and, and we also are looking for, and this is less sort of set down in, in, in the, the, um, manual, right? The committee manual, but we're also looking for different stories, right? New perspectives on South Asia. Um, I, I, every year we sort of get the stock and trade, you know, this is Diwali, this is holy, this right. is, you know, um, you know, very, um, very traditionalist, very staid kind of stories. And we often um, push ourselves to look for books that sort of expand understanding of South Asia. So new stories or s- stories told from different perspectives. Um, and and that really, um, really opens up more possibilities. And when we first started, you know, one of the other sort of conversations that we had um, over time is, um, and this sort of sets us apart from from other book awards as well. That you know, what do we do about the diaspora? So, um, it, you know, is a story about a South Asian person or Indian person, a Pakistani person, a Bangladeshi person in the United States? Um, if we learn something about South Asia, is that a book that we'll accept? And our answer. Um, uh, throughout has been yes, right? So um, one of our winner, uh, well, two of our books now are, you know, about people who are of South Asian origin living outside of South Asia, sort of learning about um, it through their eyes, through their lens. And that sometimes is a really productive um, way to do it because, you know, you do get that sort of outsider, insider perspective that helps someone who's coming at it for the first time, understand it a little bit better, right? Because yeah. um, you know, you're 
there's a certain perspective of naivete uh, in the character itself and sort of you you along with the character sort of unpack um right. unpack it and so um so that's you know that's been you know where we have also focused right so not just um limiting ourselves to people you know in south asia but but looking at south asia through its diaspora as well um and we've had we've had debates and discussions over you know what's appropriate for children and what's appropriate for um teenagers right and and um it's been interesting to have those uh those conversations the differences between how teachers approach materials and the librarians and our committee approach materials um and the other change that has gone on since we started was when we started the first couple of years we limited ourselves just to publishers in the United States. Okay. Because we were thinking of in terms of access. Right. Then would teachers be able to get, you know, 30 copies of these books? Right. Um, and then over time, we realized that we needed to expand the scope of, of the, the submissions. And so now we will accept submissions from South Asia, from the UK, from Canada, Right. Um, as long as it's originally produced in English, right? The English language piece is, is probably the thing that is the, the most common thread. And it's been interesting to see the kinds of differences in the books published in the US for a US audience and those produced in India for um, primarily an Indian audience. Um, and so, you know, so. It, it, it has its challenges, but it also means that there's voices of small publishers in, in India or in other places in South Asia um, that are getting attention that wouldn't necessarily get attention if we just limited it to U.S. publishers. Wow, there's so many facets to this, and I, I made a note of um, <laughs> authentically and accurately describing South Asia. I, I, I mean, that's already very, even accurate, which which may seem like that would be kind of um, factual. <laughs> uh, I can imagine some very serious conversations uh, among the committee members. And I wanna talk about the committee members and then we, perhaps we can go back to this question of, of maybe some tension within the committee as to what is an accurate reflection of South Asia. So um, you already spoke about how they are decided and every um, member gets to nominate someone. Um, but I, presumably there needs to be some kind of balance between people uh, from the region, people who study the region, people who are librarians, people who are teachers. How do you balance that out? Well, I, fortunately, so far we've we've it's been sort of an organic process where, you know, the people who get nominated seems seem to fit the needs that we have um, at okay. that time. So, you know, right now, I think our biggest um, challenge right now is finding a, a gender balance. We haven't had a lot of men on the committee. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's one thing that that's on our mind as committee members sort of cycle off. But um, yeah, we try to um, balance sort of scholars of South Asia, usually those who are sort of teaching at the university level, K through 12 teachers with a, a balance of, of elementary and um, upper grades and um, librarians, both public librarians and school librarians. So, um, so for example, our chair this year, Mary Hennessy is a retired librarian 
um, who's done a lot of work around um, diverse uh, literature in the Lansing area. Um, and so uh, she came to us because she was recommended by um, uh, the MSU Asian Studies Department. Yeah. And then our incoming chair who will take over the chairship next um, uh, next year is Sabah Vlock, who is sort of ever all of the things we wanted rolled into one and she she joined the committee last year um she was a k-12 teacher she taught in middle school and then she went on at the ut austin to to get a phd in education so now she's teaching um at the university level right and so um she was great because you know she provides a um a pakistani american perspective she has worked um, with teachers on both sides, you know, both as a in-service teacher as well as working with pre-service teachers. And her background is in critical race theory. And so, oh. she, yeah, she just, she, she was, she was just such a perfect choice. Um, and, you know, and, and because she moved from UT Austin to the Midwest, right, we get her sort of, um, uh, spreading the word and, and using Saba, um, materials, um, in an area where there isn't a South Asia center. So, I mean, it was just a great, it was a great um, a combination of, of, of factors that sort of led her to us. Um, and, and so I think, you know, we're looking for those qualities in, in people. Um, we have one committee member who um, she's, she's an artist by training, but she also teach, teaches technology classes, right? And she has a lot of um, information, uh, a lot of experience with East Asia, but was interested in learning more about South Asia, right? Yeah. So um, one, you know, and again, this sort of sets us as different from like the Africana Award, where they have um, the people on their committee are mostly academics who work on, on Africa. And we decided when we sort of were, were um, coming up with this is we needed non-experts as well, right? We needed experts perhaps in teaching, but not necessarily experts on the area, right? To, to sort of um, help us get into the mind minds of, of people who will actually be using these materials, right? If we all, you know, if we're all thinking about this as, as scholars of South Asia, we may miss what a teacher actually is looking for. And so it's been really, you know, really helpful because, um, you know, we'll be talking about a book and the, the you know, the, especially picture books, which seem like they'd be really straightforward, you know, and they'd be like, oh, great, this is so readable. This would make a great read aloud. And then the South Asia person would be like, but they're completely, you know, getting this one thing wrong, right? Or, you know, or it's really sort of stereotypical the way that they're portraying this person. And so we have really great um, conversations about how the story and the illustrations work together and, um, and you know, why um, certain things might be problematic. And so, I mean, we just have really, really great conversations. And we wouldn't, I don't think, have those if our if our committee were all teachers or all librarians or all academics. Yeah, no, totally. I, 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 I hear you on that. And I can imagine these conversations and I've spent many hours with my son in bookstores in India, you know, when we were there to find books for him to read. Um, and it's, and that would have been in India. So perhaps a, a, a different um, offering than you would get here. Um, but perhaps not in the kind of more elitist English language bookstores. Um, to strike this balance between, you know, you want the, the good old stories and to give the general overview of the region, but then, you know, you also want to read the story about the, the, the queer teenager or um, 
the, the woman who decides to have her hair short or whatever it is that perhaps wouldn't be part of the general narrative about the region. Exactly. Yeah, that's so great. Um, so, of course, we want to hear who the current awardees are. And um, I will also link uh, in the kind of publicity around the podcast, we'll link to the website. Uh, but this has been going now for, I guess, 10 years. Uh, you, yeah, we're in the 11th year. And so are there any good stories that you want to share about former awardees? Yeah, and, and I think this year's awards, I'll actually um, tell you who the, this year's awards are and then sort of talk more about previous awards because we have okay. we have two, two of our winners this year are actually previous winners. Oh. Um, and so our, our, we awarded um, three awards this year. Um, and the picture book that we awarded was Priya Dreams of Marigolds and Masala by Meenal Patel. Um, and that's a story of a girl um, learning about India through her, and particularly the state of Gujarat, um, through her grandmother's stories. And she tries to um, bring a little bit of India to Ohio, which is where the story was set. And so it's, it's just, a, it's a beautifully drawn book. Um, Amino is both the author and the illustrator, and it's just a be visually beautiful book. Um, and the story is just so heartwarming. So we all fell in love with that um, book. And then um, the middle grade book um, that we awarded was The Bridge Home um, by Padma Venkatraman. Mm -hmm. And she's won um, twice before. Okay. Um, and so she is, we, we all love Padma. And she has just this knack of um, storytelling. And, and The Bridge Home is about two girls who, sisters, who run away from home because um, they're in an abusive situation. And they become homeless um, in the city of Chennai. And they have to learn how to survive as street children. Wow. Um, and it's, it's a tough story. Like it's mm. a really tough story, but uh, Padma approaches it with humor and wit and it's just, there's so many layers of the story. And so, um, and she's one of those people that we, one of the reasons why um, her books speak to us, um, she, the, her two previous books, A Time to Dance and Island's End um, deal. I mean, they deal with such different, subjects topics but each of the book um creates its own sort of universe and she has so many supporting materials on her web page and she's so um generous with her time that it's so easy for teachers to interact with the text and to take it in a variety of different directions and so um you know, it's it's that layeredness and the fact that she does tell stories from different perspectives, um, both A Time to Dance and The Bridge Home um, deal with issues of di disability um, and and religion and other things. And so you can take it in so many different directions and that right. it makes it so teachable. And then um, the YA winner this year was Forward Me Back to You by Matali Perkins. Okay. And she has also won the, the Saba um, twice before, once right. for Tiger Boy and once for um, You Bring the Distant Near. And yeah. again, she is such a, 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 a skillful writer in that she teaches you about South Asia without hitting you over the head with it. So it doesn't become this sort of pedantic um, uh, thing, right? It, it, you just get 
drawn into the story in such a way that you you pick up things that that you don't you don't even know that you're you're learning mm. and again she also does a does a lot with um uh her materials on her website and so you know you can you again you know just a reader by themselves a, a kid by themselves can learn um more if they want to or a teacher can bring it into the classroom and so you know though they are such um great examples of what we, we hope for the South Asia Book Award and, and getting these um, texts into classrooms and in, into the hands of children. Um, and, and then, you know, there are, there are other awardees, you know, every time someone, I, I think about the Saba award winners as sort of like a family, like an extended family where, you know, when people become, um, part of it, you know, you, you root for them as they get other books, even books that aren't necessarily children's books. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, Mathangi Subramanian wrote, um, uh, Dear Mrs. Naidu, which is this great story about this girl who challenges, you know, the rules in her school and sort of, and it's, it's a series of letters and she writes it to, to Mrs. Naidu, who was a freedom fighter. And so you uh -huh. get and you get activism and, and, and um, you learn more about what school life is like in, um, in South Asia. And so she just put out an adult novel and, and it was so great to invite her to speak on that um, as part of our speaker series, right? And so, um, it, you know, each author becomes, you know, sort of like a friend in the process. Um, and then, like you said, you know, one of the, we've had the ability to, to highlight um, authors who are telling stories that are, are at the margins. Yeah. Um, you know, Vivek Shreya um, won um, in 2015 for her book, God Loves Hair. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's an incredible book. And, you know, since then, I've been following her and her career as it's gone in various um, directions. And so, you know, it, as, as you learn about these folks, you, you, find different ways of bringing them, I find different ways of bringing them into other outreach venues. And so um, it really does create a network, both for us as, as a committee and, and outreach professionals, but also I think for um, folks who are teaching, you know, they can can use our reading list as a, as a jumping off point um, and then follow these amazing folks um, as, as they put out new materials. And, and for example, um, Atali Perkins, she actually won the Americas Award um, uh, for a picture book based on um, uh, a little girl and her grandmother um, coming from Mexico. Um, and then, you know, she won for um, Forward Me Back to You. So she is able to sort of write across regions as well. And it's, oh. it's her, her writing is stunning. Um, I imagine a lot of our listeners who um, may be parents um, uh, or K-12 teachers uh, would love to uh, get their hands on some of the resources. So we're going to link, but you can also just say it uh, and we'll link to it as well. But uh, what is the website for the Saba? Dot, I'm sorry, South Asia Book Award dot with W-I-C-S. I see. Okay. So South Asia Book Award dot W-I-S-C dot E-D-U. Okay. So it's... Uh, it, run um, at the uh, University of Wisconsin, so that explains the WISC, um, where it, it kind of started, I guess. Um, 
before we wrap up, uh, can you tell us quickly about the speaker series? Because I imagine that's online at the moment. So do we have access to that or is that something that you're planning in the future? Yeah, so we um, so typically in the fall, we have our awards uh, ceremony and, and we've done that in a number of venues the last couple of years. We've done it at teachers conferences, either mm -hmm. the National Concert Council for Teaching of English or the National Council of Social Studies, but since things are virtual, um, we've had to revisit that this year. And so we're doing a series of webinars. Our first one um, was a couple weeks ago with Matali Perkins. This Thursday, um, November 12th, is with Meenal Patel. And then November 19th, we're holding our final one with Padma Venkatraman. Um, and those um, can be also, the link to register for those can also be found on the website. Okay. Um, and then on December 5th, um, we're actually, uh, I will be a part of a panel and the, at the virtual National Council for Social Studies. And I'll be um, presenting with other area book awards and we'll be, I'll be featuring um, Padma's book there as well. Um, so if, if anyone out there is going to the virtual NCSS, um, we will be there on December 5th. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Um, Amira Bridger-Wilson, thank you for talking to me about the South Asia Book Award, the Stanford Center for South Asia. Again, thrilled to be partnering with you and the South Asia National Outreach Consortium. And uh, we look forward to building on our partnership. This We learned so much uh, from talking to you in the past half hour, 35 minutes. So thank you for making time. Thank you. I also want to thank Soham Shiva for creating the beautiful music for our intro and outro and Alina Utrata for doing post-production. Thank you for listening to the SASPOD, the South Asian Studies at Stanford podcast. Find out all about the Stanford Center for South Asia at southasia.stanford.edu and find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for joining us and I hope you can tune in again soon.
Bhadena 